And as I got to that 40-year-old birthday, I realized that there was an emptiness in that, that as I thought about the second half of my adult life, I... Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we're sitting down with the one and only Dave Hollis. Got to meet this guy at a live event that he and his wife, Rachel, were throwing in Minneapolis uh, about a week ago. And today, we're sitting down with him on the show to talk about everything that he and his wife have built at the Hollis Company, how he got started, and why he ended up leaving a quite steady, stable, and... Um, pretty cushy job to actually go and um, go out on a limb and become the CEO of the Hollis Company. All right, so we're talking about everything that they're doing over at the Hollis Company, the Hollis Foundation, and the mission that they're on to empower people, mostly women, to live their most empowered, fulfilling, and just life that gets them fired up every single day. So I'm super stoked to be talking to this dude. He is a wealth of knowledge. He's been in the game for a long time, the game of life um, for a long time. And I'm super stoked to allow him to share that wisdom that he has acquired with you in this episode today. So without further ado, uh, whether you're walking the dog, whether you're at the gym right now, I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with the one and only Dave Hollis. All right, Dave, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Apple. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, bud? Absolutely. It is a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Um, Dave, I gave the listeners a little intro to you prior to this, but for those of them that aren't familiar with who you are, what you're currently doing, can you give us a quick like 60-second spiel of, of, of what you're doing right now? Right on. So my name's Dave Hollis. I work with my wife, Rachel, at a company called The Hollis Company, where we are trying to create content that where people to use the tools we put in their hands might afford them an opportunity to take control of and change their lives forever. I am in this job for about a year and previous to this job, worked uh, in media exclusively for about 25 years, the last 17 of which I spent at the Walt Disney Company where I wrapped up my 17 year career with seven years as the head of sales for the movie studio and uh, had myself a good run had a job that from the outside looked great to just about everybody, but uh, wasn't necessarily fully tapping into all of my potential and hmm. uh, happened to coincide with my wife's business tipping into a place where it needed someone to come in and do some of the operational pieces to help balance her creative bend. And so we have joined forces for good together and are looking to take over the world. I love it. So I want to talk a little bit more about your, your tenure with Disney before we hop into that, um, because I think a lot of our listeners might be interested in why you decided to make that pivot, because from, from what I understand, you had reached this pretty high position. Um, you, were, you were making some decent money. And from the outside, yeah, you, like you said, it looked like you had a pretty, pretty nice gig going on. But what made you want to take that leap? Yeah, so I had had uh, the benefit in basically every job I ever had. I started at Fox and was working in research, then moved into publicity. I went into an agency where I was managing talent. I went from there into another role that was about grassroots marketing. I, I just every year prior to Disney had about every year, a year and a half, a new job. So I was always being challenged by new things, learning something that was a little bit different. And in that, I was growing. And so I came out of those experiences into Disney where in the first 10 years of my 17 at Disney, I had 10 jobs in 10 years. So every year, similar to my past, I was learning something new, was walking into a room of new people that I might be leading 
was having to challenge myself to appreciate a different dimension of the business and in those new spaces was forced again to grow. When I became the head of sales, uh, I started first as the international head of sales and so I was learning about the movie business and how it works and shows up in about 70 different countries around the world. I again was forced to very quickly have a learning curve that I could conquer by surrounding myself with really, really smart people and the analytics to give me some objectivity that could help offset some of what I just didn't yet know from not having been in the job long enough. And when I got the opportunity to run the global operation for those last seven years, the first two, three years was that same kind of thing. I was the least experienced person in the room often. I was being challenged to do enough homework prior to walking into a room that I could hold my own and deliver the kind of value or decision support that the people in the room might need and had to work hard to sell the movies that we were ultimately offering to the movie theater operators. Um, and it felt good in part because again, I was still in this growth mode. And for the last four years of me working there, it wasn't as difficult as it had been previously to do the work. And so I was uh, in, a, in a position where we set record after record. We had the biggest year in the history of the motion picture business. By the time I left, I had released nine of the 10 biggest movies in the history of the movie business. And the satisfaction that came from getting straight A grades without having to study was diminishing over time because of what frankly was a reflection of the really, really strong brand, Disney or the family of brands, Marvel, Pixar, Lucas, Disney Animation, um, or the strength of my teams. I had people that just knew how to do this job so well that my leading them wasn't something that they needed necessarily because they were experts and had more expertise than necessarily I could potentially help them with. So not having to work very hard or not having to have my potential tapped into as much created unfulfillment. If you are not growing, you are dying. If you are not in a position where you can fail, you will not be put into a place where you can grow. And so in that absence of growth, I was stuck. I felt like I'd uh, gone from a place of every year being pushed into a new place and in that new place growing to coasting. And as much as the title, I was the president of distribution, the distribution chief of the greatest media company on earth, setting records every day. Um, I was, yes, ma making a nice salary that was a reflection of the work I was doing, but I wasn't feeling satisfied necessarily because I didn't have to work as hard or I wasn't learning as much because of how good everything else in the ecosystem was. And at the time, my wife had, for 15 years prior to us making this decision to work together, been building an organization that was in the media space, a social media operation more than it was uh, anything else. But um, she'd had a, an event planning business that became a blog. The blog became a media company, creating white label content. And ultimately, she built a community that around books she might write or a podcast she might produce delivered content and value to this community in a way that hopefully helped them feel like they could take control of their life and, and make choices that might help them grow into who they were put on this earth to be. She was just on the tipping point of exploding in this business at the same time that I was truly struggling to feel excited about showing up for this great job I had. 
And so a conversation that we started four years earlier finally became one that we forced the issue on, in part because of the opportunity, in part because I needed something that would push me back into a place where I could grow. And I can tell you a year into this job that I am still every day learning how to do. Uh, I'm growing every single day, and that's where fulfillment is inevitably coming from. Hmm. So is that need for growth something that you've always had, like from a young age, or is that something that you've sort of like developed over time? The interesting thing is, I don't know that I appreciated that I needed it until I didn't have it. Hmm. And so I think all of us need it. Uh, but some of us have had the benefit of disruption existing, you know, either because we're choosing disruption, we're choosing to disrupt ourselves. And in that disruption, we're breaking down a muscle and building it back up the way you might in, in the gym. But a lot of times disruption is something that's been foisted upon us without us having chosen it. And that disruption and chaos and the fluidity of life just kind of happening in a way that you might not necessarily have predicted creates a resiliency and a callus that is the, the byproduct of that different experience creating um, a different version or a better version of you. The, the growth that comes because of that um, is a thing that if you end up not having it, you will desperately need to find it if you desire to continue toward a path of being fulfilled. And I didn't realize that because I'd been fortunate in my journey professionally to always have the organizations that I was a part of putting me in new situations where I was not already an expert in the field, did not necessarily know the answers to the questions we were trying to solve. And those situations pulled me into a new version of myself because I had to learn new things and that new learning and that growth it created something that I realized only when it was gone that I absolutely needed. And I think if a listener is stuck or struggling with, like, I'm not sure what I want in life or what my passion is or what my why is, a lot of times that can be a reflection of not being in a position to grow or not being in a position to fail where you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone because growth only can happen outside of your comfort zone. Mm. That's so true. I do. I, I see some people though going through life with the philosophy of like, don't make my life hard. And, and they're just not, it doesn't seem like they're seeking out that growth. So do you think that is something that everybody like internally wants? I don't know that people want it. I think people have convinced themselves they want to be comfortable. Yeah. But comfort is something that comes at the expense of growth. You cannot grow and be comfortable at the same time. And so when you're asking someone, what do you want? I want to be comfortable. What do you want? I want to be secure. What do you want? I want to be certain. Security, certainty, comfort, those things come at the expense of growth because growth by definition is something that can only happen inside of a place that is challenging or that is difficult that you're going to learn from that might take what you've known and turn it on its head and make you have to understand something in a way that you haven't had to look at it before. And so if you're convinced that what you're in pursuit of, like for me, for the almost entirety of my life, the thing I wanted most in life was certainty. I wanted to be able to predict what was gonna happen next. I wanted to manage the expectation of those around me and of myself because in knowing the knowns, it felt like I could keep myself from getting hurt. And what's interesting is once I realized that certainty certainly is a path, but it's a path that doesn't produce as much fruit, I started pushing myself into situations 
that we're less certain for the benefit of the uncertainty and the struggle that comes in it. Now what's tough, what's interesting is, if you wanna push yourself into that uncertain space, you may fall back on some of the habits you have in protecting your comfort. And what you have to do is fight that urge because that struggle, that discomfort, that uncertainty, sometimes the anxiety that it produces is the way to experience the benefits of that growth. And so I know for myself, when I've pushed myself outside of things that were certain, this thing, certainty that I wanted for so long and for so much of my life, there were times when I, in that discomfort and the, the uneasiness of experiencing that new thing, would try and mute some of the struggle, some of the discomfort that came in that new thing. And in doing it, I was taking the nutrients out of the juice that was that, that, new, that new experience. And so in this last year, we've been doing a lot of things that are unconventional. I've been working inside of an environment with my wife, who is my partner, who I still want to make out with at the end of the day. There are things in this dynamic that exists between us that I have to sit in and experience even as it's uncomfortable because the discomfort is part of what is a catalyst for my growth. As I am learning new things in this business or managing people who have disciplines that I do not have perfect expertise in, rather than ignoring it or finding help that someone else might be able to come in and take that off of my plate necessarily, I'm rolling my sleeves up and getting my nails dirty, understanding the thing that makes me uncomfortable, and in the frustration and in the processing of that thing I don't totally get, I'm growing because of that disruption. Hmm. So clearly you and I both believe that growth is something that's like really important and that people should be pursuing, but do you think that there's value to comfort as well? There is, as long as you understand the trade-offs, right? Like, the, there's a, a, a great quote that a buddy of mine, Brendan Burchard, has always said. He's got it on his shirts. It says, honor the struggle. And the idea of comfort, I, like, I, I don't want to talk people out of want, wanting to pursue dreams. Yeah. But like if the dream is to get to a place where you don't have to work or the dream is to get to a place where you don't have to necessarily fully utilize your potential or the dream is to get to a place where you don't have to work as hard. I, my experience may not be everyone's experience, but my experience is when I found myself in positions that were more comfortable, I didn't feel as satisfied. And so I think in society, sometimes there are these shiny objects, these the prizes that people are dangling as the thing to pursue. And I would just warn that we got to be careful that in the pursuit of getting to something that is wrapped in comfort. It's not coming at the expense of fully allowing you and who you are on this planet to be used for the benefit of the planet, to be used for the benefit of your family, the workplace that you find yourself in, the, 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 the tools that you have, the thing that you have inside of your being. It was put there by a creator that wanted you to fully utilize them. And, and sometimes the pursuit of comfort can come at the expense of the utilization of those gifts. And that's you know, to me, not the way that I want to necessarily live my life. If you decide that that's the way you want to live it, just understand it might come at the expense of feeling as satisfied for underutilizing the gifts that you have inside of you. 
Sure. So, so speaking of those gifts, like how would you talk to a listener who is maybe 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're not quite sure what their gifts are? Like they haven't quite found something that really clicks for them, that they're very good at, that they're really fulfilled with. How do you, how do you talk to that person? How do you think about that? Well, the first thing I would say is go back to the things that lit you up when you were seven. Like a lot of times, like the things that we get excited about are things that have been there from the beginning. And there's this like tendency to think that like as we transition from one life stage to the next that we've got to leave behind certain things or that, you know, it's not as it's not cool to stay connected necessarily to this thing versus that thing. And the headline is the passion that you have, the thing that gets you excited. If if you were a kid who geeked out about box scores for baseball when you were seven, there's a chance that there's something in box scores for baseball when you're 27 and 47 and on and on. That's one. Two, do as many different things as you possibly can. Because the real answer is you are not going to know the things that you are excited about until you are exposed to as many things as you can possibly be exposed to. I interned and then got job after job after job after job. I, you know, I'm 44. I have in the 25 years that I have worked had outside of those last seven where I had the same job, had about 18 of the 25 years, I had a different job every year. Each of those experiences was helping me hone what is it that I'm actually, one, passionate about? What is it, two, that I'm actually good at? And the overlap of your passion and your competency is the place that you wanna try and focus your energy. So if you were to make a list right now, of the things that you like, right? You're 20 years old, you got a list of things that you like just in life. You like connecting with friends, you like sports, you like video games, you like whatever you like, make that list. Now make, take a, take a half hour off, go grab yourself a drink, come back and make a second list. What are the things that you believe to be your very greatest talents? What are your competencies? What if you were standing on an elevator with me for 30 seconds, would you sell as your greatest strengths in the workplace? Now marry those strengths with those passions and find the opportunities that exist in the world that can allow you to tap into something that you have personal passion for and can leverage the strengths that you might bring uniquely to the workplace. When you have that overlap, you become the kind of employee that somebody who works in the space that you love wants to hire. Hmm. So did you witness that overlap when you transitioned into like working with the Hollis company? I did. I mean, I had to make my list. And one of the things that was a catalyst in part for the transition was my moving from my 30s to my 40s. So for the listeners that are not yet, you know, even in their mid-20s, here's the headline. When I was in my like 20 to 25-year-old range, I had a completely different sense of what I gave value to in the world, what I had as my personal goals. Many of them were a little more me-focused than they were, were how I might be able to use tools of mine to help others. And this transition from 30 to 40 had me asking unbelievably bigger existential questions about why it is that I exist on the planet Earth. And so in that, like, really digging into it. And guess what? I went and sat on the couch of a therapist, the thing that I 100% recommend, even though sometimes it's hard and sometimes it sucks. It 
really helped me understand why I felt the way I did and why I do the things I do. But it also helped me understand my why, my, my like, what was it that I needed in a season where I felt stuck? What was it that could potentially pull me out of that? And the answer as I was going from my 30s to 40s was this conversation around impact. Because much of the work that I did between 20 and 40 was about me was about my pursuing a career that would have a better business card you know, on my desk over time, that would have more money going into my bank account over time, that would have me and my ego getting the recognition that I wanted or needed. And as I got to that 40-year-old birthday, I realized that there was an emptiness in that, that as I thought about the second half of my adult life, I needed to redefine my North Star. And so the redefinition of my North Star became about impact. How can I, with the tools that I have, the experiences I've acquired over time, use the thing that I uniquely bring to the world to help other people, period. And so the fact that my wife happened to already be working in a company that she created that was founded on the idea of putting tools in people's hands, the opportunity to come into this space felt like, yep, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help satisfy some of the things I'm wanting in the impact space. And as a man who's a supporter of a very strong woman to a community of women who are interested in allies who are men, I felt like I could also play a unique role in being a supportive man to my wife and a representative of what strong men supporting women might look like to a community of people who are interested in reaching for more, but sometimes have felt under-supported by the men in society, the men in their lives. And so that combo platter said, yep, this is the place for you. And it's been an awesome unlocking of this greater version of myself at 44 than I was at 34. I love it. So you mentioned ego there, and that's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. So do you have any advice for the young listener, just like thoughts on how they can get to that place of impact before their 40th birthday, start sort of like making that mindset shift earlier on and then sort of realizing whether or not their goals are based on them or based on others? Yeah. I mean, if I go, I've just written a book, it's going to come out in March. It is my attempt to replicate some of the success that my wife had in her book, Girl, Wash Your Face, where she identified 20 lies that she at one time in her life believed that kept her from being the best version of herself. I have written a book that is about similarly 20 things that I at one time believed that got in my own way and kept me from being the best version of who I ultimately would like to be in the hopes that if someone reads this book, they might stay out of their own way if they can relate to any of my, my stories most of the stories, most of the things I believe, most of the ways that I got in my own way were tied to ego. And so when it comes to like, what is it in your life between you as a 20 year old human and you as a 40 year old human that is most likely going to get in your way? In relationships, in your professional pursuits, in your relationships with others as you inevitably marry with your partner, as you inevitably become a parent with your children, it will be ego. And the more self-aware you can become of why you are the way you are, like one, I, I had to start with my family of origin. They're amazing humans, but inevitably they taught me certain things about who I am that informed what it means to be me that 
my ego held on to that when I was challenged by other people doing life in different ways, sometimes made me show up in a way that did not serve me or the relationship I was trying to maintain. Sometimes, you know, like being uh, a person who was raised in society when I was, and certainly, you know, being raised in society today, there are certain societal expectations around men and societal expectations around women. And those gender rules and gender norms are things that sometimes create in your ego a need to try and stay aligned with what the collective they have suggested you need to do to be the right kind of man or the right kind of woman. At 20 years old, I believed that if I did not maintain the party line, if I did not follow what society said, that I would be ostracized, that I'd miss opportunities for work, that I'd be made fun of, that I'd be exposed, embarrassed, whatever. And at 44, I can tell you, I do not care what society says about me at all. And so if there's a way to fast track some of the appreciating how little other people are actually thinking about you, or how little the opinion of people who are not actually doing better than you means in your life, or how little peer pressure, like the idea of peer pressure at 44 years old is laughable. There is not a human on earth, literally, who could peer pressure me into doing anything. And so if like you're a person who struggles a little bit with wanting to keep up with the Joneses, I don't, I mean like here's the thing, I don't wanna like make anyone feel sad if you've got a crew that you run with at 21 years old, but I can tell you right now, I am not in contact but with one human being that I knew at 21 years old. So you might have the greatest relationships right now and you might put a ton of weight into what they think about how you live your life. But in 20 years, there is a chance that most of them will not actually be in your life. So if there were freedom in knowing that they ain't gonna be around, what might it mean for the decision set that you have today to fully embrace who you are without worry of whether they agree with you or don't? Let go of that worry, it just doesn't matter. If I could go back and shake my 21 year old self, I'd tell them, you are worrying about the wrong stuff. These people, if they're trying to keep you from being great, are insecure about you potentially creating distance between their mediocrity and your greatness. Why would you let them try and hold you back? I don't know, I don't know, I mean like, it's, it seems so clear now, but I know I was so tied to and wrapped in wanting to keep other people happy and wanting so badly to fit in that I gave away a lot of my power and a lot of my um, sanity to acting the way I thought I needed to instead of acting the way that I you know, ultimately needed to to actually enjoy myself the way that I should have. Mm, that was powerful. I'm, I'm sure I, I really hope that that really resonated with at least like one person out there, like somebody needed to hear that. And I hope they were in the position to, to really receive that. Right on. 100%. So earlier in the show, you mentioned that, that you at the Hollis Company, you and your wife are focused on providing the tools necessary to people to, to really change their lives. What are, what are these tools that you guys are trying to provide with people with? Yeah, so the audience is primarily women mm -hmm. and the tools come in a variety of forms. Uh, my wife has written seven books, the last two of which have become number one New York Times bestselling books, Girl, Wash Your Face and Girl, Stop Apologizing. And both of them 
truly are about um, trying to, to, to showcase how much commonality exists uh, in the first one between um, the things that you are going through and experiencing and basically every other human on earth. There's a lot of, there's a lot of power in, in empathy. And so um, talking about things that most people don't talk about and being honest and authentic about struggles, about the vulnerabilities and the, the things that she's gone through have afforded people to appreciate that one, um, they also um, are not alone in the thing that they struggle with, but that two, um, here are some tangible things that you might do if you're struggling with this thing to help take control of your life. So um, books is a part of it. She's, um, like I said, written seven books. I've got my book coming out next year. She's got a book coming out the year after. So every year or so from the company, we'll have a book come out from one of us or both of us. We have podcasts that we make available for free on iTunes every Tuesday. She has the number one business podcast on iTunes called Rise. It uh, has been her interviewing people for the last couple of years, really talking about running and owning businesses and how to pursue excellence in business. A little more of a bend to women in business, but I think uh, as good a listen for uh, men as it is for women. And then on Thursdays, we have an, a, a podcast called Rise Together, where we talk about relationships. And we get into everything, talk about stuff that nobody's talking about, even when, and especially if it's embarrassing, we get into it. How to fight, how to make up, the like stuff around intimacy that nobody would in their right mind have a conversation about on a podcast and all the rest. Um, and so we do that and uh, we're gonna add some more shows here in the not too distant future. We do live events. So where I got to meet you last week, <laughs> Apple was at one of our uh, Rise events, which is a three-day immersive conference for women where we are uh, helping them own their past, the things that they've been through is like in a way trying to help them see them not as happening to them, but happening for them. That for having survived the things that you survived, you're stronger now and more prepared for whatever might come in your future. Owning your present, it's all about your mindset. It's about owning your health and your, your relationship with body image. Uh, just really owning kind of where you are so that you can use it as a springboard for owning your future. And that's all about the tactical how do you go from where you are today to what your biggest, broadest, uh, most audacious dreams might be in the future. So we have that conference. We have a business conference called Rise Business. We've pre previously had relationship conferences called Rise Together. And uh, we've got a bunch of, bunch of those coming up. We sell coaching. So Rachel does uh, a live monthly coaching series, both for life and business coaching. We sell journals, where if you uh, are interested in having a morning routine that starts with gratitude and intentional goal setting, well, we've got a journal for you. Then we sell apparel and merchandise. Uh, Rachel has a line with QVC that uh, comes out on an every month basis. And, uh, and we have a bunch of other swag that you can buy, water bottles, and hats, candles, stickers. If there is a way to put something on, something inspirational, uh, we're gonna make it available to you. So um, we got a whole bunch of tools, right? And we just try to listen to the audience and, 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 and hear what it is that might be beneficial to them and then create something that hopefully helps them again uh, in whatever it is that they're going through. 
Mm, I love it. And I got to say, I was only at the conference for a few hours, but like the time that I was in there, it was like a powerful environment. Like you guys have really built this movement around, around the mission that you guys are on. And it was really like inspiring to just see like what y'all have created. Right on. Thanks, man. Now it's, it's one of those experiences of like, you can tell people about it and try and explain it, but being in that room, yeah. it's a different kind of thing. So I, thank you. I appreciate that. For sure. Uh, so you mentioned a bunch of different projects that are working on like sort of different areas that you guys are, are invested in. How do you personally like think about focus and maintaining your focus? Because I mean, you're doing a lot of different things, but you're also very clear on like the mission you're on. So how do you like prioritize things and, and, and pick up different projects? Yeah, well, one, as a company, we start with a core set of values, making sure that we are clear on the things that we, no matter what project we're working on, are always going to be anchored to. And so uh, when it's a Monday morning, we remind our team with our Monday morning meetings of what it is that we believe in here. We set a regular monthly five primary objectives that we want to try and hit put them up on the wall, make sure every one of the 40 employees that work here knows exactly what it is that we are shooting for. And then we let an editorial calendar for the most part drive what it is that we're going to focus on on an every week basis. So two weeks ago, it was all about the conference that I got to see you at. This week, we put a business conference on sale. Next week, we're launching the next round of journals. So each week, there's a little bit of a different conversation that we're having with our community about uh, one of the things that might be available to them. There are all things that you have to pay money for necessarily. We just got through a, a free book club that we did on this morning show that we do each morning that you can watch for free on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the podcasts obviously cost zero dollars. Uh, we're trying to put as many free or near free tools in people's hands as we are asking people to spend their hard earned money on things. But, um, we're trying to focus on uh, really listening to an audience and allowing what they tell us they need as the indicator of where we should go and what we should build next. Hmm. So for a listener who hasn't quite established that audience yet and they don't quite have the people to listen to, how would you recommend somebody get started with sort of building that foundation from the ground up? Deliver massive value over and over and over and over again. Gary V says, jab, 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 right hook. Like we're like 10 jabs before a right hook, right? And so um, start by thinking about what you uniquely can bring to the audience and how you uniquely bringing it can deliver value to their lives. Do not make it about you. This is about them. You are the guide on, your, on their journey. You are not the star of their journey. People are not interested in following you necessarily unless you have something that you can add to their lives that are gonna change the way that they think about um, the, receipt, the receipt of that value being something that they are interested in coming back to for more and more value. Um, every single thing we do has an eye to how might she, for the most part, find this valuable and if it's something that's working, what else can we potentially bring to complement this thing that's already working that is value related? And, you know, both of us started working for people that we had interest in working for, but for free. 
And so like we started interning for, as it, if in Rachel's case, she was wanting at the beginning to be an event planner. She worked for free for an event planner to understand the event planning business so that she could take that learning and apply it to a business of her own. When she started her business, her approach on social was to give free tips to people who are interested in throwing events. As we think about the things that we're doing here, like we go live every day for 35 minutes, five days a week. And that 35 minute conversation with this audience, it's seen by 225 or so thousand people a day. That delivery of 35 minutes of content is about how can we show up and serve this community? Because if we can serve them and serve them and serve them, they may tell a friend that, hey, you know what? I'm getting a lot of good value from these guys. They're entertaining, they're inspiring, they're motivating, they're challenging me, whatever it might be. I think you ought to come over here too. And if you have a small following and you wanna get more followers, or you have a small amount of influence, and you wanna have more influence, focus, focus, focus on value and how you can deliver more value to the people who you're interested in attracting. Hmm. I really like that you brought up working for free because I mean, that's how I started my consulting firm as well, uh, was just like finding people that I could provide value to and then just doing it for them and, and then letting them see like, oh, this kid actually like, kind of knows what he's talking about. So for, for the listeners who, who are kind of interested in that concept, um, what would you say would be a good starting point for, for first like establishing like what value you can provide and then figuring out who you can provide it for? Well, I think it kind of comes back to a little bit of a dream, like a, a throwing a dream out of where it is that you hope to go and reverse engineering, right? Like just as we were coming out of this conference, Rachel taught on stage about this idea of like having the vision of where you want to go and then creating mile markers that back, backwards engineer where you need to start and what each of those mile markers might be to get you from where you are to where you want to go. So if your ultimate goal is to become a film director. Let's just throw out a random job. Well, the first thing that you might need to do is become a PA on a film so that you could watch firsthand what the heck a director actually does. And a PA's job is a thankless job, but like that might be the first thing. The second mile marker that you might have is getting to a place where you get to become uh, an, an assistant director. And the third mile, second mile marker that you have might be, might be directing your own small film. And the next one might become getting a chance on a film that actually has a budget that will be released, you know, like, but making something that incrementally, making a list of what incrementally gets you closer to where you want to be. And then starting at the very beginning of what would be the first best move to get you closer to that goal. And then taking small bites of it over the course of time instead of trying to do too much too quick. I couldn't agree more. Dave, I've got some questions I'd like to ask all of my guests before we do wrap up the show. So you feeling ready for those? I am. Let's do it. The first of which is what is something that genuinely has Dave Hollis excited right now? Could be in your business, could be in the wider realm of really anything, but like what's got you fired up? I am fired up about going on vacation in two days because we have been <laughs> running like crazy people my uh, wife and I, we have four kids, which is like a thousand kids. We are taking our children to Hawaii for their summer break. We're going to be gone for a couple of weeks. And I am looking forward to two hour work days because we are committing to actually stay connected to the business for only two hours a day. And for the balance of the time, do as little as possible. Um, beyond that, 
Uh, I, on July 1st, am turning in my very first book. Uh, the edits are due then, so I'm excited about finishing something that was a big, huge, hard, audacious thing for me to have to try and accomplish. Uh, the relief that I will have in turning in that draft will be big. I'll get to do it while I'm sitting in sand on a beach somewhere, which I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm excited about all of the things that we have coming up here at the company. There's uh, a whole bunch of different businesses that have scaled pretty quickly. We got to Austin, Texas, where we operate in June of last year, and we had four employees when we started, and we have 40 employees a year later. And so the speed with which we have grown is at times overwhelming and times can create anxiety, but the same emotion, if you wanna just reframe it, is excitement. And I am excited about trying to figure out how to make all of these humans now that work inside of this business come together for a greater good of putting these tools in people's hands. It's some crazy stuff, dude. I'm yeah. stoked for you, man. Thanks, man. So the next thing I'm curious about is whether or not you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your business or your lifestyle. Yeah, we are unbelievably crazy habit people, especially <laughs> with morning routine to maintain the kind of uh, life that we want to have and the energy that's required to do the work that we do. We get up every single day at 5 a.m. We start every morning with a gratitude uh, and prayer kind of moments so that we can just like get our get ourselves right, get our head right before we start our day. Uh, we work out every single day. If I was asked recently, if you could tell your 20 year old self one thing, what would it be? And this is the thing. Your body at 20 years old is going into its most prolific 10 years of its life. I did not work out. I did not care about what I ate at 20 and I had a metabolism that gave me a lot of, a lot of grace even though I didn't necessarily deserve it. If I could turn back the clock, I'd have gone to the gym every single day. I would have been conscientious about what I eat. I would have been a little more conscientious about what I drank and I would have had so much more energy and would have just felt so much better for that entire decade in my 20s. So we get up and work out every single day. Uh, we plan our week on Sunday. So every week we sit down, are deliberate about every single day. I know exactly what we're gonna have for dinner every day. I know who has to take kids to individual things every single day. I know who's working out first or second every single morning. We know in advance that we are having a date night every Thursday night, no matter what, it is on the calendar. If you are not deliberate about your calendar, your calendar will run your life, you will not run your calendar. And so you have to, you have to be deliberate about getting ahead of what you want your life to look like and make sure that your calendar is reflected as much. Could not agree more. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been getting a lot more into just like making sure I'm taking care of my body, making sure I plan everything out beforehand. And it's been extremely, extremely impactful in, in the results that I've been seeing. Right on, right on. <laughs> I'm also curious because because y'all are putting out a ton of content across a bunch of different platforms. But like, is there any content that you're consuming, whether that's uh, other people's books, audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube channels? Yeah, I, I mean, we're... We're as a company, we pick a book. We pick a book a month and have everyone read something that might help them change the way they think about a certain aspect of either personal development or business. Uh, the last couple books, 
Uh, Hug Your Customer was the last book that we read. Mindset by Carol Dweck is a great book that every human should read, Change Your Life. Uh, Powerful, the story of the human resources approach at Netflix, super great book. Um, I'm just finishing a book called Principles by Ray Dalio, which wow. I recommend, great, great book. Um, uh, but I, I, I am a, I'm a podcast guy. I'm an audiobook guy. I listen to something either, you know, one or the other on the way to and from work every single day. Um, I'm very, very conscientious and we do an audit regularly of like what we're consuming on the social side, what we consume in media. I'll admit I probably have three shows that I might watch streaming wise, but we do not, we do not watch TV. There's never TV on at our house. And so, um, like I used to be a news junkie. I love to watch news and I just had to stop watching the news because it was having an, uh, like an impact on like the negativity of the news was actually making me feel negative about the prospects of what I wanted to pursue in life. So I've been really conscientious of surrounding myself with positivity and positive influences. Um, I mean, the, the saying, as everyone has said it, you are the combination of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, sometimes that goes as much for the kind of feeds you have in social media, the kind of shows you watch, the kind of content you're consuming. Um, if you in your personal circle of humans are the smartest person, you need a new circle. If you are the most ambitious person, you need a new circle. If you are the most, like whatever, if you are the most of your circle of the five closest friends you, ha you have, you cannot pursue the life that you want. You will not achieve the kind of dreams that you have because you will be convinced that settling for good enough, settling for mediocre, settling for okay is okay if you're surrounded by mediocre people. Uh, the same can be said for your, your social feed. If you're still following people from high school that were dicks, then you're unfortunately going to be in a mindset that convinces you that that kind of behavior is acceptable or is okay. Like you've got to edit and filter who from your social media feed gets to have an influence on your life. So um, we're, I'm, I'm crazy about it. And I think hopefully a good, a good way. It's sometimes to the, to the extreme of, having people that I've been friends with for a long time wonder, where'd you go? I'm like, well, I had to, I had to move on to people who were fueling me instead of trying to hold me back. That's the truth. You got to take control of your environment or else it'll take control of you. True. All right, Dave. Well, those are the questions I want to ask you. Where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, find out more about you, the Hollis company, everything that y'all are up to right now? Right on. Uh, well, you can follow us on social. Uh, I'm Mr. Dave Hollis on Instagram or Dave Hollis on Facebook. And every single thing that we put into the universe is at thehollisco.com. You can check it out. And uh, if you want to hear us on a podcast, Rise and Rise Together, like I said, they're available on iTunes or anywhere podcasts are available. And um, Rachel is my wife. She's pretty rad. She's Ms. Rachel Hollis on Instagram and Rachel Hollis on, on Facebook as well. So Apple, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be sure to toss links to all those in the show notes below. Um, otherwise, Dave, you have any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom, anything you want to close out the show with here today? My biggest piece of advice, own your life. Don't let other people get a, get a, get a, I can't, I can't finish with a stutter, Apple. I'm getting too <laughs> excited about it, but own your life. Own and, and be comfortable being exactly who you are without worry of what other people might think. If you are giving 
people who are in the cheap seats of your life and expensive opinion on what you can or can't do, you are going to grow up with regret for not having given away all of your power. So just move away from worrying about what other people think. Be you. Do you. You have got this very unique set of skills and your ability to use them to bring light to other people is what you're here on this planet for. Yo, come on. Those are straight facts. Well, I hope y'all have been taking notes because Dave has been dropping bombs left and right. Dave, man, it's been a pleasure to uh, meet you at the event and then have you on the show. Um, I, I really got a lot of value out of this and I'm sure our listeners did as well. Thanks, Apple. Take care. I appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Absolutely. That is going to do it for this episode of Young Smart Money. I hope you guys got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I have some value to share with you. So I got a lot of questions coming my way every single day about how I started and grew Young Smart Money from the ground up to now where we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people. We're a top 100 business podcast. The show is consistently pulling in five figures of revenue per month. For me, I'm able to connect with some top-level influencers and really grow my network. Everyone's wondering how I did it. So what I decided to do was I was I decided to share literally all of my secrets with you guys for free. Okay, now a lot of you guys might be saying, "Wow, this kid! I thought he had at least a few brain cells. They must they must have just completely." disappeared like this kid doesn't know what he's talking about but i wanted to share this with you guys for free because it's what i'm passionate about literally every single day i'm in the dms helping people out for free um i i, I see i i get fulfillment i personally get fulfillment by seeing you guys succeed so that's what i want to allow you guys to do so i put together this free training again all you have to do is head to my website applecrater.com podcast and you can hop on this training for free and uh, learn exactly how i'm able to do what i do and how i was able to scale it in such a short amount of time how you can do the same as well um and all that I ask in return is that you guys leave a five-star review on the podcast. You guys know how much those mean to me. So if you could take the time, again, five seconds to, to just leave me a review on iTunes. Could be a one-star, could be a five-star. Just give it whatever you feel the show deserves in your heart of hearts. Um, I really would appreciate that so much. And again, in return, I want to give you guys that free training over at applecreator.com slash podcast where you can learn exactly how I was able to do what I do and how I'm able to continuously um, grow this thing, scale this thing, and just use it as this massive leverage point to connect with so many amazing people. So again, guys, one last time, that's applecreator.com slash podcast. Go check out that free training I made absolutely for you as soon as you write us a five-star review, okay? I'm not going to be enforcing this, but it's kind of like an honor system, okay? So if you watch the training, I'm going to expect that you left us a five-star review, okay? Because if I'm going to give some to you, I'm going to need you to give a little something to me, okay? So once you guys do that, head over to the training, watch it, check it out, let me know what you think. Um, and I know you guys are going to enjoy, get a ton of value. I dropped some secrets that I've never talked about publicly before. So um, definitely you're going to enjoy that. Um, I'll see you guys over there. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day wherever it takes you.